I'm pulling out of my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so today I'm going to talk about uh, a question that I often get uh, from amateur designers that I thought I would spend a whole podcast on. So today I'm going to talk about uh, mechanical depth. And what that means is when you make a brand new mechanic, how can you tell how deep the mechanic is, a.k.a. how many cards can you make of it? Um, One of the things that's really important uh, in Magic is when we make uh, a new mechanic, uh, it's a resource. And that that new mechanic might be used more than just the set we make it in. If it's a good mechanic, it might come back. So one of the things that's important is to understand, hey, how many cards can we make with this mechanic? So I want to talk a little bit about how we do that, about how we... Um, now, once again, it is not like there's a procedure where we, we get an exact number. It's just a ballpark. Um, and pretty much when I talk about design uh, depth, I tend to put it into three buckets. Bucket number one is it's big. It basically is as big as we need it to be. We could bring it back as many times as we want to bring it back. Uh, it's, it, it is a very robust mechanic. Um, medium is, hey, there's enough to bring it back. It, it can be done some number of times, but... There is a point in which it'll be hard to bring back. There is a point in which you'll probably um, at least use up new space. I mean, I guess you could always bring it back and do what you've done before. But as far as branching off and doing things you haven't done before, there's some limitation. Uh, And then small is, look, you can fit it in one set. You really are going to struggle to fit it in the second set. Uh, You know, that that it's a mechanic that has enough space maybe to do once. Um, The other thing uh, when you're looking at mechanics is... Um, different sets need different like, amounts of mechanics. Uh, sometimes, for example, you have a mechanic that's, filling, that's the main mechanic of the set. It's got to fill up a lot of cards. Like in any one set, it could be like 30 to 50 cards. Sometimes you have sort of a mini mechanic that's something that, okay, it's going to be on, let's say, 8 to 15 cards. And then you might have a small mechanic that's on a handful of cards, you know, like five cards, a cycle or something. Um, so part of understanding depth, if you want to understand how deep it is, A, so you know will it fill up this set, and B, how big is it in general? How big is it at all? Um, okay, so there's a bunch of questions we have to ask to understand how big a mechanic is. So the first question you have to ask is, what card types can the mechanic go on? Is it a mechanic that only goes on, I mean, can it go on anything? Uh, for example, something like Kicker. Kicker can go on spells. It can go on creatures. It can go on artifacts, enchantments. Um, planeswalker, I mean, I guess I guess in theory you could do kicker on planeswalkers. Uh, you, you just have some space issues on planeswalkers. But anyway, the idea is what can you do it on? Now, some mechanics only go on permanence. You know, uh, something like um, uh, hexproof, you know, or, or ward. Uh, is something that protects permanent, so that it only goes on a permanent. So it, it can go on creatures and artifacts, enchantments, and planeswalkers, um, and land, but it, it is not going to go on instants and spells. Some mechanics only go on instants and spells, like flashback only goes on instants and sorceries. Um, so that's the first thing, is sort of how many different things can you put it on? Uh, another question is how many colors can you put it in? Now, we are willing to stretch a little bit for named mechanics, meaning we will let colors do things in a named mechanic that we don't normally let it do sort of outside that space. Um, for example, flashback, not every color can cast spells out of the graveyard, but we allow, you know, uh, any color can have a spell which flashbacks that can cast 
that card out of the graveyard. So we do allow a little bit more. So it sort of depends what space you're playing in. So colors matters a little bit more within a set than external. External to a set, we have some freedom to put things in most colors. Within a set, you know, it might be a faction set or something. So, okay, this is a faction mechanic. Well, d- definitionally within this set, it can only go in the faction colors, which might be two colors or three colors, whatever. Okay, another thing we have to think about is the what, if, what effect is it generating? Is it one unified effect, meaning is it always doing the same thing, or does it generate different effects? So, for example... Um, Take Exalted. Exalted says, uh, whenever, uh, 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 whenever I have one creature attack alone, it gets plus one, plus one for every existence of Exalted. Um, but it does the same thing every time. No matter what has Exalted, that's what Exalted does. But something like Landfall, well, it has a singular trigger, but the effect is different. Every time a land enters the battlefield, it, something, each Landfall card is doing something different. Each Landfall card is going to be isolated by itself. Um, so the more effects you have, the more you, I mean, well, obviously the more cards you can go on, the bigger, the more space you have, the more, uh, the more varied the effects, the more space you can have. Now, the other question is even when you have varied effects is what is the range of the effects you can do? Now, uh, I'll give a good example. So Cypher is a, a classic example of a mechanic that we really struggled with for space we barely were able to make a full set worth of Cypher. Cypher was um, in Return to Ravnica, um, or I think it was in Gatecrash, technically, but it was the um, Demir mechanic. And I think we had, I don't know, 10 to 12 from the set, and we barely, barely got to that. Like, we were, we made a card that, like, used an effect we hadn't used in forever, uh, which was a slight change in color words, just because we were, we were grabbing straws trying to figure out how to do that. Um, so one of the things about the effect is... All effects are not the same. So it could be a singular effect. It always does the same thing. Or it could be varied effects, but those varied effects could be limited. The most common way they're limited is if you tie something to creature combat, like Cypher did, that means the effect is going to happen after a creature deals damage. Well, not every effect is useful at that point. For example, a giant growth is not useful, you know, getting a temporary boost doesn't mean anything after attacking's already happened. So uh, some effects, even though they have a variety of effects, they're limited in what is useful. So for example, things that have to care about a creature doing combat damage has to be something generally useful. Um, another thing that effect will affect which effects you use is when they're happening and how they're happening. And so different mechanics will access the different effects. So not only do you have to figure out whether it's a singular effect versus a uh, multiple effect, but what kind of multiple effect and how, how often can that multiple effect be? How often, like what range of the, what kind of abilities does it let you do? Okay, next up is we have to sort of ask ourselves uh, what we call knobs, meaning how many different uh, things are there for the mechanic? Uh, something like kicker, okay, uh, there's an alternate cost, right? I can do my normal spell, or I can pay this extra mana. Um, and sometimes we list it as pay this extra mana. Sometimes we list an alternate cost. Instead, pay this mana. It's just different ways to present the same information, basically. Um, but the idea there is that that is a knob, right? That is something that allows you to... Like, if someone, if uh, play design is trying to balance it, they have their mana cost to adjust, 
and they have the extra cost, like in kicker's case, the kicker costs. Um, so if you, one of the things that's always interesting and like we have to think about not just how many cool things can we design with it, but how easy is it for uh, the play design team to balance it? Because if you make a mechanic that has a lot of like, you have to look at what's viable to make, not just what can be made, not just what, like there's a big difference between here are all the things we could make from a, uh, potential, like, well, uh, this card could be made versus what can we make that actually we would make? What would we make a card out of? Um, a good example of this might be, let's say, for example, your effect is modal. Uh, I, I'll use Fabricate. So Fabricate was mechanic from Kaladesh. Uh, Fabricate had a number tied to it. When you cast a spell with Fabricate, you got to choose between, and, and it went on creatures, you could put that many plus one plus one counters on the creature or you can make that many 1-1 one, one tokens. I think they were artifact servo tokens. Now, the problem there is you have to make a power toughness mana combination along with a fabricate number where the person playing it has an interesting decision. If, you know, almost all the time, 99% of the time, they're just going to choose one thing, it's not interesting in the mode. If you're going to have modes, you want people to make decisions. If there's never a decision, then it's not interesting. So, for example, when you're doing a mode mechanic, there's balance issues, especially if the two modes don't have different costs. Sometimes, like on Kicker, you, you can have mode A and mode B, but mode B costs more. Okay, there's knobs to balance that. But on Fabricate, where there's one Fabricate cost and you have two choices, and it's always the same mana cost, you can't adjust that, then there becomes balance issues. Um, and that's a big thing. One of the things to think about with new mechanics is... Um, you really have to think about what functionally you can make, not what you potentially can make. Because it's not about hypotheticals, it's about actual cards you can design. And so you really have to think about things like, um, like your knobs, like your balance. Uh, another big thing you have to ask yourself is, um, is there something triggered? Like, like, for example, or is it some sort of effect that is either activated or triggered or static. You know, what? how does your mechanic work and in what context does it work? And if it's triggered, how often does that happen? You know, if you have a trigger that's rare enough, well, it, maybe you just can't make enough cards because, you know, um, like a big thing you have to ask yourself is, does this mechanic require a lot of support in the set or can it live by itself? Part of that is, is it linear or modular? So linear means the mechanics of it get itself. Um, for example, slivers. The sliver mechanic says, well, I make slivers better. Well, if I'm going to play slivers, I kind of want more slivers. Uh, so certain mechanics are like energy from Kaladesh. Like if I'm going to play energy, uh, well, I'm already investing in getting energy. Hey, it's more powerful if I have more ways to use my energy. So certain mechanics push you to want more. Um, now, that doesn't define necessarily how many, many can be made, but it does define like within one set, how often can you do it? And the more it's, the more linear it is, uh, the more you like. It's the harder it is to sort of fit into set. So more you have to think about it. Now there are very deep linear mechanics, uh, and they're very deep modular mechanics. Um, in general, modular mechanics tend to be able to go a little bit deeper because linear mechanics will step on each other. Some uh, here's a good example. Use slivers, and I just brought them up. Slivers go only on creatures and grant creature abilities. Well, there's some limitation of creature abilities. And you have to look at like, okay, how many, you know, with any one set, I can only sort of grant trample once. 
Now, maybe in one set I can grant trample in green, another set I can grant trample in red. You know, I have some, and that's another big difference between looking within one set or looking at large. Within one set, you you don't want to repeat so much. So one of the things about depth is how many different things, like what is the variable I get to care about? If it's a creature that's granting creature abilities, I'm locked in a limited ability. I'm locked into sort of what creature abilities I can grant. Uh, and another big thing uh, is um, you get to make use of the mechanics that are in the set that are unique to the set. So if I'm making slivers, hey, are there keyword mechanics that are unique to the set? If so, I could use them in this set. And that's another thing to look for depth is if I play well with other aspects of the set and you put me in different sets, hey, I will play differently in different sets. If I put a sliver in one set that has one um you know, one creature mechanic that's unique to that set, and then I put it in a different set, oh, well, it can make use of those. But, Sliver's a good example, a lot of what it's making use of Evergreen, well, there, if I use Evergreen stuff in one set, the next time I use it, you know, I have a little bit of flexibility in putting in new colors or maybe changing powers or, you know, stats on it, but it's a little bit more limited. Like, one of the big differences of within set versus within all of Magic is where's the repetition coming from? Where's the mechanic doing something that I can just do one of? Uh, and Slivers was a good example where, hey, I can only use trample once. I can only use flying once, you know, or, I mean, maybe maybe I can use flying twice if I'm combining something different. But you, you, you really have to look at how, how often do I have to repeat something? And if, you, if your resources are limited, that restricts how much stuff you can do. Um, another big thing you've got to look at when making a new mechanic as far as depth is... What other requirements does it need? Does it need a frame? Uh, does it have other resources it needs? For example, double face cards, beyond needing a new frame, there's additional cost because they need their own sheet. Um, so when you're making a mechanic, you also kind of got to look at how easy is it to put it in a set. And one of the answers about that is what other resources are needed. The more it needs support around it, the more it needs a frame, the more it needs other resources, the, the harder it is to put that in the set. So the more restrictive it is. Um, Okay, so the idea is once you have all these components, you can look at something. Okay, so what I'm going to do is take some mechanics and sort of put it through all these filters, and then I'll, I'll say, okay, it's a small, medium, or large. Okay, so let's take Kicker. Okay, Kicker can go in any card type. Uh, it can go in any color. Um, it is variable in effect because each card can sort of determine its own effect. It has a, no a pretty good knob on it. Okay, so I look at all those component pieces and I say, oh, there's a lot there. You know, there's a lot of flexibility to it. There's a lot of things I can do with it. There's a lot of ways to use it. And it's something that play design can make practical cards out of. So that's a large, that large, that can go in a lot of things. Okay, now we take a look at something like Fabricate. Okay, Fabricate only goes on creatures. It's modal. It has to be balanced. Um, and... There's no additional, no I mean, there's a knob of the number of Fabricate, but whatever you choose, both modes are the same thing. So that's very restrictive. It doesn't have great knobs. There's, there's balance issues. So Fabricate is a lot narrower. That's, that, that's what I would say small to, I mean, it's on the brush between small and medium. I, I think we could make one more set out of it maybe, um, but it would need to be in a place with some support so it felt different than what we did in Kaladesh. So it's not, that's not an easy mechanic. So it's, it's on the cusp of small, but maybe, maybe, you know, maybe peeking into the, the low side of medium. 
Okay, let's take another mechanic. Um, let's take something like uh, on Earth. On Earth was mechanic uh, in Shards of Alara. So on Earth went on creatures, uh, and it allows you to play them out of the graveyard. You temporarily get them for a turn, and then they get exiled. Um, so, for example, um, it's kind of like the creature version of Flashback. Um, now, it only goes on creatures, um, but it's a variety of effects, meaning uh, each creature can do its own thing. Uh, you get to put a cost on it for the unearth, so it gets to have an, a, a cost. So there's a knob on it. Um, okay, so it, it only goes on one creature type, but it's the one of the most fluid, like 50% of all sets are creatures, so we make a lot of creatures. There are, and there's a lot of ways to make use of unearth because it can have an enter the battlefield effect. It could just be a body that's attacking. It could have an attack trigger. It could have a lead play trigger. You know, there's a lot of different things you can do with it. There's a lot of kinds of effects. So I would say on Earth is high, medium to low, large. Um, you know, it, it definitely is something that you can use in, in a bunch of different contexts. Um, oh, or let's take flashback as a contrast. The flashback only goes in instances and sorceries and um, because we don't want combat, like we don't want people to have, um, we don't want to make situations where I walked into a trick that was visible, but because it was sitting in my graveyard, I didn't notice it. So for example, we don't tend to do combat relevant instance with flashback. Um, now there's a lot of sorceries that we can do. There's a lot of instances that aren't sort of combat relevant. So there's a decent amount of effects we can do. Um, so the effects is pretty high, obviously has a knob on it because it has a separate cost. Um, and we make a lot of spells and magic. So I would say flashback is on the low end of large, but it's something we can definitely do a lot of. Um, the other thing that's interesting about something like flashback is, um, it lends itself well to reprints that if you do a flashback set, and this also comes with mechanics that are, are sort of, um, I didn't even talk about this. A little bit of what I will call elegance, meaning it does something that's loose and uh, simple enough that you feel like I could just put this in a lot of sets. Um, it's sort of a feel thing. Like, um, for example, we had a, a, a ability called a mass, which was in, what was a mass in? It was in a War of the Spark, which represented uh, an army. Um, and it, it represented specifically the zombie army. Like, it, it had a lot of things that sort of locked it into the situation where it was at. And so that one's a little bit trickier, even though, um, I mean, a mask could go on any card type because sorcerers and instants or enchantments could have masked things. Um, it generates, so a mask generates a token, a mask N, it generates a token with N plus one plus one counters on it. Or if there's already uh, an army token, it puts that many plus one plus one counters on it. Um, but there are certain elements of it that combine to what we were doing. So uh, like another interesting thing, like Bushido was a mechanic where it had a very specific name on it and it had a very specific flavor. So it wasn't easy just to put it in another world. I mean, we chose not to bring it back to Kamigawa. So even, even when we could bring it back, we didn't bring it back. So that had some other issues. Um, oh, and, and that, that's a fine point. The other, uh, and this Bushido is a good example of this. Does it play well in numbers? Does it play well, you know, do you want a lot in your set? There's some mechanics, and Mishido was a good example where, you know, you just don't want a lot. It's not something you want a lot. Even though you, in theory, could put it on a bunch of cards, it doesn't play well in number. So how many you can make is limited a little bit by how much the set wants. 
Now that's more of how big it can be in a set versus how big it can be throughout Magic. But the more limited you are, the more you don't want a lot, the more that restricts sort of how many cards you can make with it. Um, okay, let's say something like split cards. So split cards only go in instants and sorceries. Um, it can go in any color. Um, and it requires its own frame. So it, re- ha- it has additional requirements to it. Um, and uh, now the thing about split cards is each of the split cards, uh, there are two cards on a card. You can cast either card. Uh, you could have fused where you can cast both, but that's a, a, a separate uh, you know, add-on to, to split cards. Um, now, there's a lot of different effects, and you can mix and match them. Um, and, you know, so split cards, I would say, are kind of on the high medium. Um, if you notice, we don't tend to do a lot of split cards in any one set. It's something we do in small number within the set. So it's not something that's high within a set, but it is high over our... It's in, once again, it's in the high medium. But we tend to use it in small doses, meaning a set that has split cards. I think the most we've ever done in a set is like 10 split cards. So we don't tend to use a lot per... Um, so that allows us to do it more often because we don't do it in large volume when we do it. Um, let's see, another mechanic. How about um, Exalted? So I talked about Exalted earlier. So Exalted says, Exalted N, uh, it goes on permanence, and it says if you attack alone with the creature, that creature gets plus N plus N. Um, or actually, sorry, Exalted doesn't have an N. It just says Exalted. We, we could put Exalted on multiple times, I guess, if we want Exalted more than one. Um, Anyway, so that only goes on permanence. Um, it has a knob in the sense that you could choose how many times Exalted goes on. Usually Exalted just once. So it's a little bit limited on knobs. Um, and it's very tied to combat. So it's the kind of thing where uh, it can go on a lot of different things. It's a pretty useful thing. But it doesn't repeat effects. It's the same effect no matter what you do. So with any one effect, there's a little bit limited on how many you want to do within that uh, set. Although... Unlike something like Bushido, you can have more. It's just boosting up creatures. And the, the danger of having too much in one set is just it's hard to defeat. You know, like, you make this monster that's hard to defeat. So you got to be careful in volume. But uh, you can have more Exalted than you can something like Bushido. Um, so anyway, that is definitely in the medium category. And that is restricted a bunch of ways. It doesn't have a variety of facts. It, um, it only goes on permanence. But um, it is something that's pretty useful and that a lot of different things can have it just because it's a rider. Um, the, the, the last thing when looking at understanding depth of mechanic is sort of and this is sort of a gut thing and, and taking all the stuff I've talked about today that when you make a mechanic you're like do I think I want to see this mechanic again is this mechanic very specific to what I'm doing is it very much playing up some creative aspect or some you know is it, is it something that is narrow in scope and what it's representing or is it pretty loose and open um, something like flashback, notice we've never really tied a mechanic. Like, it's, it's a very loose, open-ended thing. And any world that uses it isn't really tied to this very specific, you know, sort of flavor. Um, whereas some, I mean, and, and, and that's another interesting thing to note. Um, how deep the mechanic is, is not just about mechanically what you've done with it, but sort of creatively how you've spun it. A good example for that might be Constellation. So Constellation is a mechanic uh, that cares about when you play enchantments. It's a trigger. Now, Landfall was worded very generically, Landfall. Well, Landfall goes anywhere because there's lands, and what does Landfall mean? You know what I'm saying? It means discovering lands, I guess. So that's pretty generic. 
constellation was named after a Theros thing. Now, that's not to say that we couldn't find a reason why constellation made sense somewhere else. There is the night sky in other worlds. So, like, um, but one of the things to keep in mind is the whole scope of the mechanic also plays in how often you can do it. That if you take a very open-ended mechanic, but you give it a name that's more restrictive of what it is, or if you make a choice about it, sometimes you make a choice that chooses a color, that chooses a creature type, that, you know, that for flavor reasons locks some element in. And when that element gets locked in, uh, it really sort of reinforces um, a certain component that might not make sense somewhere else. So not only do you have to think about your mechanic in that how how mechanically relevant it is, you got to think about how much it fits and feels somewhere else. Now, um, early in Magic, we really thought of mechanics as one and done, like they were a resource you used up. So we definitely, some of our naming early on in Magic was very specific. Um, we've recently, or not recently, but I mean, recent is sort of unfair. Um, many years ago, we figured out that mechanics were a reusable, reusable resource. So one of the things now, when creative goes to name mechanics, one of the questions they'll come and ask um, the designers is, okay, how big is this mechanic? Do we expect this mechanic to come back? And the more likely the mechanic is to come back, the more sort of general they'll give the name so that it's open-ended. A good example of that was energy. Um, we could have called energy... Um, ether, for example, because in the world that it was in, it represented ether in, in Kaladesh. But not every world necessarily is ether, you know, like, but by calling it energy, it's like, oh, we really opened ourselves up. Like, we really broadened what it could be. Oh, it could represent electricity. It could represent magical energy. Like, it, it could represent lots of different kinds of things because what it was looking at, like we said, well, energy is, is broad as a concept. Um, so nowadays, we do try to be more careful about when we name things. Um, that we give things that we think have more flexibility, more loose names. Now, another thing that can happen is we will bring things back and rename them. So the classic example was um, in Eventide, we made uh, Chroma. Uh, and Chroma was this mechanic that went on any card type that counted your, that in any zone could count your mana symbols on cards. So some cards looked at things in play. Some things looked at things in your graveyard. I think there were some that maybe looked in your hand. Um, and we, so it, it had a very, it had a very generic name, but it didn't, it wasn't a compelling name. And it wasn't, it wasn't done in a way that really drew people in. So we ended up bringing it back in Theros. There we restricted it a little more. We called it Devotion, which it, it's somewhat open-ended. It's not like it's not devotion to lots of worlds. Um, and we tied it to um, permanence, meaning you only counted... Um, it could go on non-permanence, but you only counted mana symbols on permanence. So it restricted a little bit what it could do. But by giving that a little more of definition, it went on to be a very loved, beloved mechanic. So um, there's a lot of moving parts. It, it is... If you go too broad, you can make a mechanic not as lovable. If you go too narrow it becomes harder to sort of bring things back. So anyway, there's a lot of moving pieces. Um, but the key is, sorry, getting a little off topic. The key is when you're trying to understand the depth of your mechanic, a lot of that comes from you understanding the utility, the functionality, like sort of what and how you can make things with it. Um, another thing that happens sometimes, by the way, is sometimes 
uh, we involve a number, and the first time we do it, we will use that number, but we are aware that we don't have to use that number. Cycling is a classic example of that. So cycling comes with a cost. The first time we did cycling in Urza Saga block, it was cycling two. Every card was cycling two. Now, we could have just got that called cycling, and what cycling means is spend two mana to discard a card to draw a card. Um, but by the fact that we gave it a, a number, that allowed us later on to come back and do cycling with colored mana, or cycling one, or cycling three. It allowed us to come back and expand upon it. So that's another variable to think about is, is there a variable built into your mechanic that allows you in future uh, uses of it to have some flexibility? And I, I think that is something important to understand, is that um, there is what we call it, we, we call it future-proofing. Uh, and it's not just about the mechanics. It can also be about templating and be about how we put it into the rules. Like one of the things when we template things or we put it into the rules, we ask ourselves, are there ways we might want to do this in the future? And so sometimes we'll future-proof uh, in templating. Sometimes we'll future-proof in rules. As I just explained, we kind of future-proof sometimes in creative. Um, so part of understanding your depth is, like there's a reason, even though you're only making the cards for this set, the reason understanding your depth is so important is it impacts how you're going to do other things. It impacts how you're going to name it. It impacts how you're going to template it. It impacts how the rules are going to be formed around it. Like, you want to understand the scope of what you're doing, not just because you want to bring it back later, but it, it impacts how you design things in the present. And that's why understanding your depth is so important. You do need to get a good sense of when and how are you going to use it, not just now, but in the future. And that is why, like, all the stuff I'm talking about today, that's why we're aware of these things. You know, there, there's a real practical sense to having to be able to understand your, your depth. And that, that is why I can talk about it today, because it's something we consciously have to think about. Anyway, guys, I'm now pulling into the parking lot. So I hope this was an interesting conversation. Um, uh, I, this is a question I've gotten a lot, and I, I've been meaning to do this podcast for quite a while. I was happy today. I'm like, oh, uh, I, I have notes of things that I should, you know, I have a list of things to do. And I, I saw this one today. I'm like, oh, uh, did I not do this yet? I keep thinking I had done it, but I hadn't. So anyway, I'm glad you guys uh, had a chance to hear me talk about this. It's a fun topic. Uh, but anyway, guys, as I parked my car, we all know what that means. means this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.